now one week into our church-wide fast, and I, I've heard so many great stories of what God is doing. I've already heard some incredible breakthroughs, some incredible answers to prayer. Uh, to be honest with you, I've had one answer to prayer this week that something I've been praying for for some time, and, and God has just miraculously done something even in my own life. And it's just incredible to see that when we allow ourselves to step away from the things that distract us and step into the presence of God, how God really does some amazing things. In our church, we've had the opportunity of celebrating uh, over this last month some of the great things that have happened. We, As you remember, I shared with you last week, we raised $400,000 for church planting uh, in the month of December. And uh, so obviously we work with, we're going to be planting churches, we're going to be sharing with you on a monthly basis what God is doing in that effort. Uh, and so that is something that we'll be celebrating throughout the year. But today what I want to do just briefly is I want to celebrate because we partner with some great organizations and some great ministries that are doing church planting. And Vernon Brewer is right over here. Vernon, come on over here if you would. Just make your way out. I should have told you before this, but it's okay. Uh, Vernon, World Help has been doing some incredible efforts in church planting down in Cuba as well as other places around the world, Iraq and, and other tough places in the world. And so Vernon, today, man, uh, on behalf of our family, we want to give you a check for $25,000 to go plant some churches in Cuba and to make a difference there. But we love you and we love all that you do. God bless you, buddy. Thank you. And so we really do see God doing some amazing things. And uh, I want to share with you this Jane who, who leads our elementary ministry. Uh, she, with all of our elementary kids, talking about this fast. Because, you know, kids are not real excited about fasting. And I get that. My mic is messing up here, but it's okay. Uh, I'm not excited about fasting either. But still, we do it because of what it does. And so Jane brought this to me this week. And this is what she shared with your kids. Uh, the kids, if you've got kids in our elementary ministry. And it's basically that she gave them two cups. And one is a give up and one is a fill up. And then she gave them these calendars of things that, that they could actually cut out of their day, things that, you know, like TV, tablets, phones, sugary foods, video games, all these things. And every day she's challenged them for 21 days to cut one of these out and to put it in the give up cup. And then in the same time, she gave them another calendar of things that they can do to fill up where they can actually do something positive to impact and to serve and to make a difference in somebody else's life. And isn't that cool that our kids are learning this concept, this idea of what it looks like and what it means to be fasting. And so I want to encourage you, if you have not already jumped on board with the fasting, man, start today uh, in the booklet that you have. And if you don't have a copy of that booklet, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring it to you. Uh, man, make sure that today starts that journey for you because it will change your life. And I know that's true because God's word says it's true. And if God says it, you can take it to the bank. Now, today we're going to be talking about something. Um, that's very important in the Christian journey. We've been talking over the last couple of weeks of this idea of, of uh, spiritual disciplines that we need to implement into our lives to make sure that we're like hitting on all cylinders. And if, raise your hand if you don't have one of the, the booklets here, and they'll pass them out to you. Um, spiritual disciplines that we can plug into our lives, pour into our lives to make sure that we're kind of doing the things that we need to do so that we're actually walking this journey, this faith journey, in the way that God wants us to, to walk. And guys, if you would, there's one young man right here in the middle. Don't leave him out. He's got his hand up. Stick it up high, man. Look at there. 
He is waiting on you, somebody right down front here. So make sure you bring that down to him. And so spiritual disciplines, we've talked about making sure that we are in God's word. And I hope that over these last few days, you have been in God's word. Uh, every day we've been reading through the church as uh, uh, through this fast. We're reading through the 21 chapters of John. And we started last Monday. And if you're not, if you're not there, listen, catch up. It's not a problem. And let's read through the book of John as we walk through this 21-day fast. And that's very purposeful. Because as you read through the book of John, you know the one thing that you very clearly pick up on is the power that is found in Jesus. And that's why we chose the book of John. It's not just because it has 21 chapters. That was convenient. It's because of what we read in there, of what Jesus did and what he said that will change your life. And so I want you to make sure you're focusing on getting into God's word. Last week, we talked about prayer and fasting. We talked about the importance of what that looks like from, uh, from Mark chapter 9. The, the idea that when you look at the passages of Scripture where Jesus said, this kind of thing doesn't come except through prayer and fasting. When we're asking God to do so much more, then man, we better be people who are praying. And we better be people who actually fast. And so we see God moving. And today we're going to talk about another spiritual discipline that's very important. And that is the heart or the life of gratitude of what it means to live a life of gratitude, of thankfulness, of understanding the good things that God has poured out into our lives, the good things that God has blessed us with. Now, you know, we've been walking through, we've started with that verse in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, and I'm going to have it put up on the screen again today, and today I promise you it'll be the right one. And it says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think infinitely more. So let me just ask you guys a question. Just, I, I want you to kind of feedback here. How many of you, when you think of that verse and you think of what it says, how many of you would like for God to do infinitely more in your life than you could ever imagine? Just raise your hand. I think everybody in, their, in their, this room raised their hand, right? And of course, all the, the ushers went crazy there because they're passing it out to the people who don't have their hands raised. And now it's like, wait a minute. No. Okay. Uh, we all want God to do infinitely more, don't we? I mean, we see God has done some amazing things. God has blessed us in ways that, you know, should blow our minds. I mean, just the idea that God gave his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. He, he died on the cross and was buried and rose again three days later so that we could have salvation and forgiveness of our sins to pay the price that we should have paid. Listen, that alone is infinitely more than we could ever ask or think. But isn't it amazing to think that God's not done even there? That God has so much more in store for all of us. And so that's what we're talking about. That's what we're focusing on. And today, one of the key elements of that, the important parts of that, is to live the life of gratitude. To live the life where we truly are appreciative of what God has done and God is going to do. Now, in your notes, you'll see a quote there by Mark Batterson. It's a powerful quote that says this, Whatever you don't turn into praise turns into pride. Now you think about that statement for a moment. Whatever you don't turn into praise, it will turn into pride. Now here, here's the thought behind that. Is that when good things happen in our lives, when we're able to accomplish things, when good things are moving forward, we're doing things that, that really make a difference and make an impact. If we in the middle of that moment are not giving thanks to God for allowing us and blessing us and using us, then what we will naturally do is to start thinking, man, I'm good. Like, I am awesome. Look what I was able to do. Man, I was able to pull that. I am incredible. And we live in a culture today where we're told constantly, like, hey, man, believe in yourself. And that's good advice. 
Like, like, man, do good stuff, and that's awesome. But don't ever forget that if we are not constantly living our lives in a state of praise and gratitude for God, of God, for what he has done for us, then you can guarantee that it will lead directly to pride. And what does the Bible say about pride? Proverbs says this, pride leads to destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. In other words, if pride becomes the the, the natural uh, impetus behind all that you're doing, I can guarantee you, your life will end up in destruction. You've heard me say it before. When it's all about you, it's all about over. We need to focus. This thing has to be about praising God, thanking God, celebrating the goodness of God. Now, what are some of the things in our lives that keep us from experiencing this life of gratitude? Well, in your notes, the struggle to be grateful. The first one you see there, it says this, we live entitled lives. Think about that statement. We live entitled lives. Why is that important? The idea behind that is this, is we have this attitude that I deserve this and more. In other words, whatever you have, whatever you've been able to accomplish, whatever you've been giving, given, it's the idea that, man, I deserve that. Like when good things happen, man, I, I deserve that. I'm a good person. I'm, I, I deserve to have this. It's kind of this idea that you are living in a life where, where you are entitled to everything, where you don't have to work for it, where, where you don't have to thank God for it. It's like, I deserve this, and so I should have it. An entitled life will always lead to a very difficult life, but also to a, a very destructive life. And so it's the idea that we live entitled lives, but not only entitled lives, but we live discontented lives. And that's the idea. If I only had more, if I only had more, in other words, what I have is not enough. This idea that we're coveting everything, like we want more. Like it doesn't matter how much money you have, I got to have more. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive, I got to have the newer model. It doesn't matter what kind of phone I use, I've got to have the one that's coming out, you know, next month that we spend our, you know, 12 hours outside of Best Buy waiting for it to be released. Those kinds of ideas. If I only had more, let me just tell you something. When you live your life based on, focused on the idea that you're always wanting more than what you have today, guess what you will never be? Happy? You'll never have joy. You will ever not actually find joy in life because you're always looking at what you just, what you don't have yet. I've got to have more. And it also makes us never appreciate what we do have. And so we live entitled lives. We live discontented lives. But we also do something else. And this is one that's even more destructive. We live jealous lives. And so we said a moment ago, I deserve this and more. But the jealous life says this, they don't deserve that. So in other words, not only do we want more, not only do we think we deserve it when someone else is blessed, I mean, they don't deserve that. Look at what they've done. Look at how they live. Look at their attitude. Look what, you know, I can't believe that that they got that. I deserve that, not them. I can't believe. And that jealousy begins to destroy because jealousy will always take you down to the point where you cannot even function in the kingdom of God. And so that's the thing that that we've got to understand in our own culture. And let's be honest now, let's be honest now. Every one of us have struggled in one of these areas. Some of us in all of these areas. Now I'm not going to ask again for uh, you know, a show of hands because I'm, you know, nobody wants to hate me. I I'm jealous. Nobody's going to do that, right? But let's be honest, we've we've all 
battled in these areas. Every single one of us, I, I think exclusively, went around the room. I guarantee you, everyone in this room has battled in one of these areas at some point in your life. And whether it's the idea of entitlement, or whether it's the idea of discontentment, or whether it's the idea of jealousy, we've all been there. But here's what I want to share with you and say to you very clearly today, that if this is what you continue to battle with, struggle with, then you're never actually going to break through to the so much more of life. You're never going to get to that place of God doing infinitely more in and through you, more than you could ever ask or think if you stay here. So what does that tell us? Well, we got to work on this, right? We've got to make sure that we don't fall into this category. We make sure we get victory over these things. So how do we do that? Well, let's go to this passage, Luke chapter 17. Let's begin with verse 11, 11 and read through and talk about what it means to live a life of gratitude. It says here, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. They were healed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. And he fell down to the ground at Jesus' feet and thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked the question, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, obviously, you probably have heard this story before. We've read this, this passage before where you get this picture of these 10 guys. And the passage even says there that, that when Jesus entered the village, there's 10 guys there who, who have leprosy. And you know that leprosy in that context, in that culture, they were people who were outcast. Like they were not allowed to come in and hang out like with the rest of the crowd. Uh, the 10 people were leprosy, were not allowed to come in and sit down at the, you know, at the local Golden Corral and have dinner with everybody else. I mean, they, they were stuck out to the, to the edges, to the corners, way away from everybody else because no one wanted to associate with them. No one wanted to be close to them. No one wanted to have any contact with them whatsoever for fear that they too might have leprosy. And so the passage says that these men, they called out to Jesus from a distance, they themselves had separated themselves from not only from people, but from the one that they thought they believed could heal them. And so they cried out to Jesus, have mercy on us. You know, Jesus, heal us. And Jesus spoke the words. And he said, just get up and go show yourself to the priests. And Jesus didn't have to go over and do something, you know, uh, you know, miraculous. He didn't have to go over there and kind of, you know, wave his hands over their head. He didn't. All he said is, go and show yourself to the priest. And it says this, they got up and they began walking. And what is it? They were healed. So instantly they were healed. And you can imagine how happy they must have been. They were outcasts, but now they're healed. They can come back into the fold. They were stuck away from their family and their friends. But now we can hang out with our people. We can go out and we can go to the games. We can go hang out at the, you know, at the local restaurants. We can you know, go out to the football games and, and all those kinds of things. Like now we're back into the game. This is awesome. But only one was willing to come back to Jesus and say, man, thank you so much. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for this, this blessing that you've poured out of my lives. And let's be honest. When you think of that context, that ratio there of the 10 people who were healed and only one came back, probably that is a picture of even our society today. It may not be one out of 10, but let's be honest, 
There are probably not a majority of people sitting back every day just saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for what you've done. Thank you, God, for your blessings. Thank you, God, for all that you've poured out of you, all you've done in my life. And so this idea of what it looks like to live with gratitude, let's kind of walk through here. And I want to start with a statement that's also in your notes there. Uh, Craig Rochelle, pastor of Life Church out in Oklahoma, he said these words, it's not happy people who are grateful, it's grateful people who are happy. You ought to circle that in your notes. That ought to be something that you just kind of take home with you and like, you know, make it part of your life and part of your daily journey. It's not, you know, happy people who find themselves grateful. It's grateful people who find themselves happy. And let's be honest, isn't that what we all want? Man, we want joy. Man, we want to be happy. It starts with a life of gratitude. So how do we do that? Well, first thing, let's turn every blessing into praise. Every blessing into praise. So how do we do that? Well, first thing, praise God for your new position. And no, I am not talking about your new job spot. I'm not talking about the, you know, the, the promotion you got at work. What I'm talking about, honestly, is this. You have been saved. That God, through his infinite love for us, that he actually saved us when we didn't deserve it. How was the last time that you actually sat back and you thanked God for salvation? When you actually sat there in a time of prayer, and again, I'm not talking about prayer over meals, right? I'm not talking about that kind. I'm talking about like prayer time. When's the last time that you started off your prayer time rather than starting with, God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to do that. God, I got a situation here. God, I got a problem here. And you started with this, God, I am overwhelmed that you saved me. God, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. It doesn't make sense, God, that you could love me that much, but yet you do. When's the last time that you started your, your conversation with God, your, your, your communion with him, and you started with that idea, God, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've done. So we're thanking God for our new position, the idea that we're saved. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, now notice that, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. Now, this was a context of leprosy. He was healed from leprosy. But let me just tell you something. Salvation is a healing. Do you agree with that? Salvation is a healing. I've been reading through the book of Psalms uh, on this fast as well. John and I'm reading through, uh, I want to read through the entire book of Psalms in 21 days. And, And so as I'm reading through the Psalms, and by the way, the first part of the Psalms, it's a lot easier to read through quickly than when he gets back to the back end. But that's beside the point. And I've been reading David. And over and over again, David is talking about this idea of healing. He's talking about this idea, God, I can't believe that you've taken me from what I was and my sinful state and and how bad I was. He talked about, man, I know I was a sinner from the time that I was born. When I was conceived, I was a sinner. And God, thank you for, for saving me. God, thank you for caring. God, thank you for loving me. And it's a reminder to all of us that that's the kind of attitude of gratitude that we need to have. God, thank you for this new position that I have in my life because I am a child of God. In verse 18, it says, Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Jesus said those words. Like, literally, I healed 10 of you and only one of you came back. And so that message to encourage us is make sure you're always the one. Make sure you're never part of the nine who quickly forgot the fact that Jesus had healed them. They were probably more interested, more concerned about what was to come rather than what had just happened. 
And so never allow yourself to be the one. Second thing we got to do, recognize the massive, and it is absolutely massive, the massive difference that God has made in your life. Understand that the idea of salvation is not only something that saves you for eternity, it saves you for today. It puts you in a special status in the presence of God and the power of God, of walking with God. Man, don't ever forget the difference that God has made today in every part of your life, in every step of your life, in every part of your journey. Never forget to recognize the difference that he made then and the difference that he makes every single day. The next thing in helping us to do this is remembering this. Recognize where you would be if it were not for him. Where you would be if not for Jesus. I mean, certainly the first thing right off the bat is we would be hopeless, right? We would have no hope for eternity, no hope for heaven. We would have no hope for what is to come. But man, we would also be a people who were like desperate, like not knowing where to go, not knowing where to turn. We wouldn't have guidance. We wouldn't have the answers that we need to the problems we face in life. We, we wouldn't have the, uh, the power of God's word that he gives to us to help us make it through every single situation, whether financial or whether health or whether relational, whatever it is, is going, we're going through. If it were not for him, where would you be? Where would I be? And so when you start with this idea, man, I'm going to praise God for who I am as a child of God. Man, I'm going to recognize the difference that he's made in my life. I'm going to recognize where I'd be without him. That is a great first step of living a life of gratitude, isn't it? Starting there. So we keep moving on here. So not only do we praise God for, uh, for our new position, we also need to praise God for his provision. Of what God has blessed us with. Look at verse 16. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done, because that man was a Samaritan. For God's provision. God had given to him a provision that would change the rest of his life. Because now he was no longer a person who had leprosy. Now he was healed. He was whole. And so God gave him something, provided for him something that would change him for eternity. Make no mistake, God has done something for you as well that will change you for the rest of your life. The only difference is, are you going to recognize it? The only difference is, are you going to see it for what it really is? It's the power of God. It's the power of this journey that we're on, of God blessing us with his provision. God tells us very clearly uh, the power. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says this, that our God shall supply all of our needs. That's God's provision. Think of it this way. You will never face something in life for which God has not already equipped you and will equip you to come through victoriously. Isn't that cool? My dad always said it this way. God will never put more on you than he puts in you to bear it up. We need to focus that God is going to get you through. That trial you're facing right now, God's going to bring you through. That problem you're facing, God is going to bring you through. That situation where you feel like there is no hope, God will give you all the hope that you need to come through victorious. Man, God's provision, it's amazing. It's unbelievable that our God continues to care about us that much. So we praise God for his provision. Why? Because our joy in life is never based uh, on our circumstances. In other words, the trials that you're going through now, the problems that you're facing today, that is not where you will find your joy. You will find your joy in the presence and the power of God every single day. 
So we praise God for his provision. Third thing, man, we praise God for the possibility of impact. The possibility of impact. And that is an F, not a T. Um, The possibility of impact. Why? Because God wants to use you to make a difference because of what he's done in your life. This week I had the opportunity of going in with our senior life and I spoke to them on Thursday. Uh, you know, hundred, couple hundred people gathered together and had the opportunity of sharing with them. We talked together. And one of the guys there that day, he, we were talking about this important idea of like serving, of making a difference, of, of using what God has blessed us with to impact the lives of others. And this guy spoke and he said, I've always heard it this way. We were saved to serve. That's pretty good, isn't it? We were saved to serve. So God saved us. He gave us the gift of salvation, but he doesn't expect us to like be saved and then go sit in a corner and wait for heaven. God saved us so that he can use us so that we can change the world to impact others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God for, celebrate the fact that God gives us the opportunity of impacting others. So what do we do? Man, always be a blessing in someone else's life. When you are only focused on the blessings that God pours out into your life of what you're looking for and what you want and you're not focused on helping to bless other people, I can guarantee you, you will quickly turn to a person who is inwardly focused and not externally focused. And if you're internally focused and not externally focused, you'll be a person who will not have any impact whatsoever in the kingdom of God. Man, look for opportunities to be a blessing in someone else's life. This group link that we're talking about here today, man, what a powerful opportunity to be involved in that. That's the reason we have life groups is so that we can actually do this thing called life together so that we can pray for one another, pray for one another. We can study God's word together. And so I challenge you, encourage you, if you're not in a life group, if you're not connected in that way, man, find a place right here today where you can actually become part of something that will help you in this journey. This coming Tuesday, our men's and our women's Bible studies kick off. And our men, we're going to be meeting at 6.30 on Tuesday morning, right next door in the fellowship hall. Man, I challenge you, come on out. I'll be hosting that. I'll be leading that. Uh, Scott Bowman, Charles Billingsley, Matt Wilmington, others will be leading that Bible study. I want every man in this room to show up at 6.30. Now, listen, I've got to be honest with you. There were some people uh, who were trying to move it to 6 o'clock, and I fought for you guys. We stayed at 6.30. Like, I fought. Come on. I, I deserve a clap for that. Come on. I'm not going to tell you who was fighting for six, but I, I pulled for 6.30 and I won. Uh, maybe it's that whole pastor thing. I don't know. But anyway, it's 6.30, Tuesday morning. Come out and let's study God's word together and pray with one another. And so that's 6.30, Tuesday morning. And then again at 9 o'clock, Tuesday morning. Then again uh, that night at 6 p.m., our women will be meeting. Man, get involved. Ladies, if you're not part of our women's Bible study, get engaged today. Because it's an opportunity that God gives to us to bless someone else to impact the lives of others. So find a place where you can connect. Find a place where you can be a part of this great journey that God has allowed us to be on. So we praise God for a possibility of impact. We'd be a blessing in someone else's life. And we show our thanks to God by worshiping Him. And that's what we're doing here today, right? But also serving Him. We show our thanks to God not only by worshiping, but we show our thanks to God by serving Every act that you do of helping someone else, of ministering to someone else, of being a blessing to someone else, that is an act of worship. And you need to recognize it for what it is. God wants to fulfill his plan through you, and that is always dependent on our gratitude. 
But look what it says in that last, second part of that paragraph. His will can easily be thwarted by the ingratitude of those same people. In other words, you've heard me say it before. The only thing that can stop God from doing what God wants to do is you. That's it. We're the only ones that can stop it. And how do we, ingratitude is a big part of that. So what's our response? First Corinthians chapter, or First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. Here's like kind of a model. You ought to underline this. You ought to look at this. is like the way we ought to live every single day, right? First Chronicles 16. Here's what it says. Sing to him. Yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Exalt in his holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. Search for the Lord and for his strength. Continually seek him. Remember the wonders that he has performed, his miracles and the rulings he has given. You children of his servant Israel, you descendants of Jacob, his chosen ones. So in other words, that ought to be the model for what we do every single day. Sing to him his praises. Worship him. Celebrate what he's done. Tell everybody how awesome he is. Tell everybody how amazing this God is. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, we thank God always for what God has done. For what he has done. Second thing, we thank him always. We thank him for God is our reward. So often people in this life are running after things that don't make a difference in the world. They're running after money. I just read a psalm the other day. There's people who, man, they're chasing after money. And one day they're going to die. And guess what they're going to leave behind? Their money. It doesn't have a much, matter about how much money they have. We think of people you know, like Bill Gates and others that have hundreds of billions of dollars. Man, that's, that's a lot of money. Am I right about that? You would never have to worry about like how you're going to pay your bills when you had $100 billion in the bank. Here's what's true. One day Bill Gates will die. And do you know what will stick around after he's gone? $100 billion. It's not going with him. So in other words, if that's true, man, focus on this. God is our reward. God is our eternal reward. That's the thing that we can celebrate. Next thing, we thank God that uh, God is our God and he will never change. God is our God and will never change. So in other words, the God that we read about in his word, the God that parted the Red Sea, the God that, that protected Israel in the midst of trials, the God who delivered over and over again, the God who healed 10 lepers in the city is the same God that we have an opportunity of talking to today. And that same God who was able to part the waters 2,000 or 3,500 years ago, that same God that was able to do that. Let me just tell you something. That God can part the waters in your life today. That, that problem that you're facing, our God can take care of it. That situation, God can take care of it. That trial, oh, God can take care of it. God is our God, and he is never going to change. And here's the last thing. Man, this is big. We celebrate, we thank him for the fact that God saved us. But don't forget this last word. Forever. Eternity is ours. Heaven is promised. There's a real place called hell and there's a real place called heaven. And when you come to the point, the fact in your life where you recognize that Jesus is the one who died on the cross, who rose again for me, when you believe in that, when you walk away from that sinful life and chase after him, let me just tell you what happens. You're given the promise of heaven for eternity. Man, what an amazing gift. Man, what an amazing celebration. I know my mom and dad are in heaven. I know I'll see them again. And let me just tell you something. When you find yourself in that kind of situation, when you've lost someone who's special that you love so very much, 
I can't tell you the joy that you will have when you know that loss is not final. You will see them again. Hey, let me give you this last statement. This last statement from Francis Schaeffer. The beginning of a man's rebellion against God was and is the lack of a thankful heart. What started us on the journey of walking away from God was not having a heart of gratitude. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve, in that original sin, when they chose to disobey God and do exactly what it was that God said, don't do, that was an act of a lack of gratitude. God had given them so much. I can't even imagine how awesome the Garden of Eden must have been. I mean, God created this place that was absolutely perfect. And he said, just one rule. Hey, seriously, how cool would it be in life if we only had one rule we had to follow? Right? Like one rule. Like no stoplights, no stop signs, no speed limits. That'd be awesome, right? Just one rule. Don't eat of that tree. And because Adam and Eve were not overwhelmingly grateful to what God had done for them, they chose to disobey. So in other words, the beginning of the rebellion against God was, and for us, is the lack of a thankful heart. So today, man, flip it upside down and decide, today I'm going to be grateful. Today I'm going to be thankful. Today, I'm going to call out to my God in heaven. God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know why. But thank you, thank you, thank you that you love me that much. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you have done, Lord, and the power of your word to bring us to where we are. God, the gift of of your word, but also the gift of your son, the gift of salvation. It's amazing. So God, thank you for that. I pray that today, in this moment where we come together, we make some commitments, decisions. God, I pray there will be people here today that will, Lord, make the decision of coming to you as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray there will be people today who have not already done so. Maybe we'll start, I'm going to start prayer and fasting tomorrow. I'm going to do it now. God, they'll make that decision. People who maybe are not walking with you, that turn things around and come back to you, rededicate their lives. God, people who are, just truly want to do business with you, but they will walk out of here today with gratitude because they're so thankful for all that you've done. And God will give you the praise for that. With our heads bowed, with our eyes closed, our team is going to be here at the front. We're going to stand. We're going to sing together. And let me just tell you right now, if you're here and you don't know Christ, the most important thing that you will understand, the start of a life of gratitude, is understanding what he's done for you. I've told you several times today. Let me tell you one more time. God loves you. And Christ died for you. And he was buried. And three days later, he rose again for you. And according to Romans chapter 10, if we believe that Jesus is God's son, if we believe that he died and that he rose again, if we call on his name, turn from our wicked ways, here's what will happen. We will be saved. And today, if you've not done that, I encourage you to come to this altar, talk with one of our team. They'd love to share that with you. Maybe you want to come and kneel here in prayer, recommitment. Maybe you want to kind of re-up for this fast. Last week, we asked you to start fasting. And some of you now seven days in, some of you might be hungry. Some of you might be wondering, like, what's happening on Facebook and Instagram? And you just need, God, give me willpower, give me strength. I'm going to make it. God, I'm giving this up because, God, I want to seek you in ways I've never done before. So maybe today that's what you need to do. Maybe you want to join our church, come for baptism, whatever it is, as we stand, as we sing together. Step out right now.
We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace, to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of of connecting with him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear. And that's this. God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, he gave his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves. What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you. Christ died for you. But three days later, he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's word, it's very clear. What we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We must believe that He died and that He rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes through Jesus. And if you've never trusted Him as your Lord and Savior, do so today believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did, calling on his name, and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift. You can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope, to let the world know God loves us.